I've titled the talk, uh, Knowing Him More. Knowing Jesus More. Why? Why did I do that? Uh, recently, a renowned uh, poet and lyricist, uh, Javed Akhtar, uh, who's pretty big in the Bollywood industry, was recently in conversation with a very renowned journalist who a lot of people look up to, Faye D'Souza. This was happening on Instagram. He was talking about faith and he was talking about uh, how his kids, Farhan Akhtar and Zoya Akhtar, are totally irreligious uh, and by all means atheists. Uh, he said Farhan has two daughters and in their birth certificate, uh, in the religion section, they've put not applicable. He said there are many religions in the world and they should have the option to pick what they want. Uh, and in his opinion, if someone is very religious, they cannot also be very smart. And he said the kids are totally indifferent. This surely describes the chaos our world is in today. A plethora of ideas and beliefs are available for people to subscribe to. And, and this chaos is leading us all to a place of actual indifference. Uh, indifference to the very aspect of God. And no matter what faith system we are born into, even as followers of Jesus, we struggle with this. We are constantly bombarded day in and day out with ideas and beliefs to subscribe to uh, through our TV, through the TV shows that we're watching, through the ads we're watching, that we actually resort to a place of absolute indifference. We sometimes behave like atheists, even though we believe otherwise. I believe this talk this morning is really going to help us uh, to really in this kind of culture, in this kind of context, to see how knowing Jesus really, truly changes everything. The passage that we're going to be looking at today is actually a prayer uh, that a follower of Jesus, Paul, writes to a church in Ephesus. Uh, he's writing this from a Roman prison. Much like Mumbai, Ephesus was large, a multi-ethnic uh, culture, uh, a multi-ethnic center of trade and commerce, uh, and it was the capital city of the Roman province of Asia. Uh, it had a Greco-Roman culture. And Ephesus was pluralistic in every way. Many ethnic and cultural backgrounds were represented and religious pluralism was celebrated. And as a result, anyone claiming to have the right religion or the only God or the ultimate truth was bound to face acute rejection and social pressure and persecution. Very relatable, right? Let's, let's dive straight into this prayer that Paul prays. I'm, this is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 21. If you have your devices or Bibles in front of you, feel free to uh, open up. Paul says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. 
and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Allow me to pray even as we begin. Holy Spirit, there is no way, there is no way in heaven uh, or earth that we by ourselves can come to know of Jesus and call him Lord. Your word says that apart from you, we cannot know him. Uh, This morning, would you speak to us? Would you reveal Jesus to us in a way that we've not seen before, in a way that we will fall in love in a very fresh way this morning? Irrespective of who we are, who are watching this, uh, irrespective of whether we're believers or not believers or mere explorers, would you speak and reveal Jesus in a beautiful way this morning? We submit to you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Here's the framework of the talk this morning. Firstly, we're going to be looking at the purpose of this prayer, the purpose to know Jesus better. Secondly, we're going to be looking at the problem. Why don't we know Jesus better? Thirdly, we're going to be looking at the product of knowing Jesus better. The purpose, the problem, and the product. Let's dive straight in. The purpose to know Jesus better. Look at at who Paul is writing this letter to. For this reason, he says in verse 15, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people, uh, I've never stopped giving thanks and praying. Paul is writing this letter to a community of followers of Jesus. He's celebrating and thanking Jesus for their amazing faith. And for the first time, he's not even addressing an issue or a problem like he's done with other letters to other churches. They are not just any nominal followers, but people whose faith in God and love for God's people is well known. He is praying this So that people who are already doing well in faith and their love for their people know Jesus better. Let's think about us. I would like to believe that in this lockdown, we have a church, we as a church have have done well. We have grown in our faith in God. We've been daily seeking him uh, for the past 80 days together in the morning and in the night, uh, seeking his word in the morning and seeking his face in prayer in the night. Uh, We have also grown in our love for his people through our very own fears and struggles. Uh, God moved our hearts in generosity to feed at least 160 sex workers and their families for a month or more. And, and I'm aware that even apart from all of this, even individually, we are doing our fair share to help people in this pandemic get through, uh, through this very hard time. To a church like this, who is already known for their faith in God and their love for God's people, Paul is preaching and praying that they know Jesus more. Why is Paul wanting for a deeper knowledge of Christ for these amazing Christians? In fact, before praying this, he gives them a very comprehensive preaching of the gospel in Christ. Isn't that enough? Don't they know Christ already? Now, understand the culture that they're in. We've seen that before. It's a Greek or Roman city. It was the hotbed of new ideas, be it uh, regarding faith 
or anything else. Any new and interesting ideas which made sense to their mind had followers for it. We are living in a similar culture. Every day we're being bombarded with ideas and and Paul is now praying that these Ephesians move on from just merely intellectually believing in Jesus to experientially knowing the person of Jesus and realizing his power in their lives. This is important. Are we merely intellectually engaging with Jesus? And I know as as intelligent and articulate people, uh, we love intelligent and articulate presentations of the gospel. But are we just being satisfied with just listening to that? When we listen to a great sermon or when uh, when we read a good book about Jesus and our minds are blown by those profound truths, are we stopping there? Or are we soaking in these truths enough for them to be experientially true in our hearts? Are we stopping or are we soaking these truths in? We need to move on from intellectually believing to experientially knowing Jesus. This gap is a very real one. I've known my wife Taru for about five years now. Uh, we've started dating about three years ago and we've been married for, for the last 1.5 years. Of all these years of knowing her, I must say that the past 90 days or out of the lockdown has proved that I don't really know her. I, don't, I didn't really know who she was as a person before. We hardly spent time before. You know how Bombay is. We hardly spent like one or two awake hours during the day. Uh, now we're practically spending every moment of the day together. I'm really getting to know who she is, what she's like, what she's afraid of, what bores her. Uh, not me. I don't bore her, thankfully, hopefully. Uh, what she dislikes, what she enjoys, what drives her. Till before the lockdown, I didn't know all of this. I was probably just in love with the idea of Taru I had in my mind. But this lockdown, through all the good moments and bad, trust me, we've had a lot of them, I'm falling in deeper love with the actual person and not just my idea of her. I know that this is a lifelong journey. I will never arrive at completely knowing and loving her. Imagine if this is, if it's like this with a human being, how much more with God himself. Hence this prayer of Paul to know Jesus better is not just for the Ephesians, but for all Christians, you and me. Jesus' invitation to all of us is not to, is not to know of uh, something of a mere religion or faith, but to know him as a person. Because when we go through times like these, uh, ideas may fail us, uh, religion will fail us, but the person of Jesus will hold on to us and never leave us and never fail us. But why don't we know Jesus better? What is the problem? Paul helps us see this problem very clearly from this passage. Look at verse 18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. 
while our mind might know the hope and power that we have in Jesus, our hearts are deceived into practically finding its hope and power in something apart from Jesus. While our minds might know, our hearts are deceived. So Paul is praying, let, your, let the eyes of your heart be enlightened. Now, we celebrated how we've grown in our love for Jesus and his people in this lockdown. Now let's let's take a moment to look at this objectively for a while and allow me to uh, turn this uh, in an other angle. And I'm going to share this from my perspective, from my life. Hopefully it is relatable to you. Here's here's our average day in my life goes right now. I wake up in the morning uh, and I spend about half an hour, beautiful half an hour uh, through community Bible reading, just Uh, engaging with the word as a community. And it's been such a beautiful time uh, from 8.30 to 9. And post that, I go about my house chores. And and before you know, uh, uh, I get into my work. And before you know, it's already time for the night 9.30 to 10 call that we do together as a church seeking God's face. Then Taru and I uh, spend some time watching TV together and then we sleep. Now I'm sure you'll agree with me that we've all sort of become comfortable and content with how we're doing spiritually as a church. Apart from all of this, we've had some brilliant teaching, some amazing teaching uh, of the gospel and amazing practical tools in, to grow in prayer and to go, grow in our experience of the gospel. Objectively looking at all of this in perspective, In a day of 24 hours or probably in awake hours of 12 hours, we spend one hour into actively thinking, meditating and getting to know Jesus more. Some of these days, the 30 minutes in the morning have been such beautiful and glorious times that I could have easily gone on for longer. But the moment that call drops, my heart is already looking to other things and forgetting Jesus. Whereas on the other hand, when it comes to the TV show that we're watching, we're currently watching one with 20-minute episodes. Uh, It never just stops with one episode. We're always intrigued to always wanting to know what happens next. We just can't stop. We end up binging and binging. My question is, why don't we binge on Jesus? If Jesus is really as glorious as he is, and we've experienced this together, why don't we binge on him? It's because our hearts are deceived and blinded to receive its power and hope from something apart from Jesus. For me, in this season, whenever I felt down and out, I looked to TV or work. I've developed this recent uh, uh, deep obsessive interest in softwares. How can I make a new city's live experience during this time better? It's, it's good, but it's replacing my need for Jesus. I spent time doing that in my off days as well. I've actually made plans of wanting to read good Christian literature, write good worship songs, read the Bible uh, from cover to cover, all of all this stuff which really helped me get to know Jesus personally and better and build this relationship personally. But I've been terribly failing at this because there's all this other stuff, good stuff, but all this other stuff is crowding my time out. Simply put, 
Jesus is not the one thing that I desire to know more and better than anything else. Does this sound relatable? Now, this is not for you and I to feel condemned. I see this to myself first. Here's the answer. The passage recognizes our inability to do so. Even if we have the right intentions and the great motivation and an amazing community to do it in, we will fail. And the passage recognizes that. And having recognized this inability, God not only gives us the hope and power in Jesus, but through the Holy Spirit, he enlightens the eyes, our our blind eyes of our hearts to see this power and hope and receive it. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Why Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. What do we need to do? What do we need to do? What's our role? Simply be honest and cry out to the Holy Spirit. I don't desire for Jesus more than anything else in this world. My heart longs for other things more than Jesus. I desire and I'm, my heart craves to know many other things apart from Jesus. Many other good things, but they crowd my time out and my desire for Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you help me? Would you help us? Now, I don't want to end this here. I want to show us from the word What does knowing Jesus like this actually do? How does it change everything? What does this hope and power that we find in knowing Jesus look like? Let's look at the product of knowing Jesus better. My hope is that even as we look at this, our hearts will have a tangible experience of the beauty and majesty that of Jesus and worship him and desire him this morning more than anything else that we could ask for. We look at two things, two products. The first thing, we look at the very writer of this letter. Let's look at Paul. The second thing, we look at the recipients of this letter, the Ephesians. Now, we know that Paul wasn't always Paul. In his earlier life as Saul, he was a learned scholar with great accolades. And and he knew of Jesus and the gospel. And he was enraged by it. He hated it. He knew of Jesus and the gospel. He did everything he could to destroy the church. But on one fine day, on a road trip where he was going to destroy the church, the person of Jesus met with him. And revealed himself to him. He came to know the person of Jesus. From merely knowing of Jesus and of the gospel, he came and met with the person. And he says in his letter to another church, he says, For I resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. His life took a 180 degrees turn. Now look at him. He's writing this letter from a Roman prison. He was imprisoned for his faith in Jesus. And this is not the first time he was imprisoned and beaten to near death multiple times for his faith in Jesus and the gospel. And sitting in this prison, 
persecuted. He's writing this glorious truths and he's praying this. And we know that uh, in the days to come, he eventually ends up being beheaded for the sake of the gospel. No sane man in his right mind will give up his life for a mere religious idea or construct. Paul knew the person of Jesus. He experientially knew him and it helped him persevere through and make the gospel available to the rest of the world. Paul knew Jesus. So now we know Jesus. Secondly, let's look at the recipients of this letter, the Ephesian church. This letter was written in about 52 AD. uh, And Paul says that you may know this power of Jesus in this age and the age to come. That's what he says. In the age to come, two years later, in 54 AD, Emperor Nero came to power in Rome. And he hated Christians in his empire. He did horrible things to to wean people of their allegiance to Jesus and their faith in Jesus and give up their faith and, and recognize him as the Lord of their lives. What are some of the things he did? He covered them in hides of wild beasts and he worried to death and they were thrown to be worried to death by dogs. He, he nailed them to crosses. He set fire to them that when the daylight waned, they burned to serve for evening lights. They went through all of this but didn't give up their faith in Jesus. Historians account for about 5,000 to 6,000 Christians who were persecuted and killed during this time. And Jesus himself, later in 92 AD, speaking through a disciple, John, he acknowledges this. He says to the Ephesian church, I know your deeds in Revelation 2. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. You have persevered and endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Do you think it makes sense that these many learned and sane people went through such acute persecution to the point of even giving up their lives for the sake of an idea of Jesus? For the sake of a mere religion? No. They knew the person of Jesus. They experientially knew him. What did they know about him? They knew the person of Jesus who became flesh and blood and lived among them. They knew this Jesus who lived a perfect life. They knew the one who took on their sin and their shame upon himself and he died for them. He went on that cross, died a bloody death on that cross. They knew Jesus that the verse 21 is talking about who was raised from death to the heavenly realms above all rule and authority, power and dominion. While they were hanging on those crosses, while they were hanging on those poles being burnt to serve as evening lights, they knew that Jesus was raised about death. The Jesus defeated death. Though Rome was in power, though Emperor Nero was in power, they knew that Jesus was raised and enthroned over and above Rome and enthroned over and above Nero, their emperor. They knew that the final authority was Jesus. They knew that he disarmed the greatest weapon that could be used against them, that their own death. 
because Jesus went through that death and he rose. Finally, they knew that their bodies rose again with Jesus when he rose from that grave. Early church experientially knew the death-defeating hope and power in Jesus when they faced the severe persecution and lost their lives. Friends, we have the gospel today to freely experience and believe in as a result of the early church knowing Jesus in his death and in his resurrection. They experientially knew Jesus. If you are not a follower of Jesus this morning, this is an invitation for you to come to know the person of Jesus. If thousands of sane, right-minded, even educated men and women felt it was he was worthy of all that they went through, even persecution and death, isn't this person, isn't this God worthy of your deeper exploration this morning? And if you choose to explore Jesus at New City, you are welcome to do that at your own pace. Nobody is going to shove this down your throat. Come, enjoy community. See how Jesus changes everything about us. Explore Jesus deeper with us. Why don't you DM us if you want to know Jesus, if you want to explore him deeper. If you're a follower of Jesus, even as we celebrate and we must celebrate how this season has led us to greater faith in Jesus, have we become content with merely knowing in our minds and intellectually engaging? Some brilliant trainings we have gone through, some amazing tools we have received. Have we stopped at just being blown away by these tools and resources? How we stopped and have not gone into experientially digging deep of this hope and power that we have in Jesus. Allow me to leave us with one practical thing. In the coming week, would you ask the Holy Spirit who reveals Jesus to us? Would you ask the Holy Spirit? I am not in a place where my heart desires for Jesus more than anything else. Would you wean my heart of anything that it is exceedingly and excessively indulging in more than Jesus? Allow me to see the beauty and the glory of Jesus this week. Probably we can start with a half an hour, one hour of just us, whatever way you want to worship, exploring these tools or reading great books that they'll tell us about Jesus. Reach out to us if you want resources. Shall we do that? Even as I close, allow me to pray the same prayer that Paul is praying for the Ephesians. Father, would you send your Holy Spirit to open up our blind hearts, to open up our blind hearts to see the beauty, the hope, and the power that we have in Jesus. Would you help us move from just intellectually believing to experientially knowing this person of Jesus, knowing him in his death and in his resurrection? 
just like the early church knew, Lord, just like the early church knew, would you help us grow in knowing this Jesus, not just in our minds, but in our hearts. Pray for those of us who are not yet followers of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you reveal the beauty of Jesus to them? Would you show them Jesus in the most relevant way for their hearts? Would you draw them closer? In this time of hopelessness and powerlessness, would you display and show and gift this hope and power that we have in Jesus to them? We worship you, Lord. We worship you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.